0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 through 14. The title of this sermon is The Son, The Scripture, The Holy Spirit, and Salvation. Here's the first half of this two-part study. The Son, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and salvation. And we'll look at it in three parts. In verses seven through 10, in him we have redemption. In verses 11 and 12, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And in verses 13 and 14, in him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now again, we are in uh, the book of Ephesians and and Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus. He's writing to the saints of Ephesus He's writing to the believers and within this and the reason why he started doing this is because when Paul Started to address this in Acts 18 and 19. He realizes that the church is actually Received the baptism of John John the Baptist They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about the Holy Spirit They come to receive the Holy Spirit in Acts 18 and 19. And so now what Paul is doing is he's saying, look, I want you to understand and know who Christ is and our relationship with Christ and that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so he's going to go through all of that as we dive into those, those pieces of Scripture. Now a little thing about Ephesus. Ephesus was a big city. Ephesus would be uh, you you could mark out any city of the world surrounded by beauty uh, like Hawaii and Honolulu but as as uh, as you turn off the, the the Sun and the night comes out the indulgences and the sin are there just like in every other city and and Ephesus was no different it was a very sinful city that had uh, Worship of false gods, but they had the main worship with which was of Diana, uh, the temple of Diana, which was worship in the sexual morality field, is what they were doing. And so Paul is going to remind them as he gets into this as who they are in Christ and why they 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 are are followers of Christ and that there are spiritual blessings and that they were chosen. Remember we talked about being chosen, right? Uh, they were chosen before the foundation of the earth and accepted. And, and then he, he ends it as he's talking about the beloved, speaking of Jesus Christ. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that word beloved is referring to Jesus. And so whenever you see that in Scripture, the beloved or my beloved, that is Christ. In Him we have redemption. As we look at these first few verses here, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And so what we're, we're seeing as we, we see that word "redeem," the word "redeem" in the Greek actually means that that, that your, your debt has been cleared. It, it, there, you, you have a debt that's owed in the marketplace. And that debt's been cleared. It's, that's what redemption does it, it's you have a, a sin debt that has to be paid and you've been redeemed And you've been redeemed by Christ and why are we redeemed? The whole purpose of us being here on earth is to worship God every person is created in the image of God Every time we breathe right We're worshiping God because we were all created in his image in Revelation chapter 5 verse 19 and, and and they sing a new song saying you are worthy to the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. It should move us to worship. Move us to praise. And as I read that verse it's a reminder that there had to be a blood sacrifice. But what happens is we we, we you know, even in a setting like this when we are going, well I can't worship unless somebody's singing. Right? Or I can't worship because I don't like the singer. It's like Dr. James Bobby told us this weekend. It's not about your preference. You're there to worship God. And and that's the reality of it is. It's like, yeah, we would love to have somebody up here singing every week, but this is what we have. And we still worship. In Romans six sixteen it says do not do you not know that to whom you you present uh, present yourself slaves to obey you are that one slave to whom you obey whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness and so we we have been redeemed for the forgiveness of sins and you're you're either serving the slave of of sin or you're serving uh being led and and, and and being led to the obedience of righteousness. You're you're a slave, a bond servant to Jesus. That's what it tells us. A doulos. A doulos. And and if we're gonna be a slave, we are to be a slave to what? Righteousness. And it's I, I love this because we see, you know, just the beauty as Paul is writing this, remember this was a doxology. And so he's speaking glory. That's all that means. He's speaking glory. And Paul is wanting them to know like there's this message of grace that you're in Him. You're in Christ. And there's a freedom within that. I think many Christians are they, they spend so much time in legalism. It doesn't mean that we don't understand sin. It doesn't mean that we uh, we want to abound in sin. But it's an understanding like we... we that we, we live for Him and we're living for righteousness and man, I'm covered by the blood of Christ and, and my debt has been paid and I understand what the cost of that sin is so I want to do what? I want to sin less. And so death was the only payment of the price so He had to die. In John 3.16 we know the verse very well For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The the flesh uh, is is blood and, and the price of it was death. A ransom had to be paid and it was His Son, Jesus Christ. We talked about that with the way of Cain this past Wednesday night. The way of Cain is very simple because Cain wanted to do what? I'm going to bring my fruits and vegetables and that's what I'm going to offer. So he's recreating worship when it had to be a blood sacrifice it has to be and jesus is the perfect lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world the world and so when he dies on the cross he is that perfect lamb the sin the blood that was spilled we see that as as we we think about the blood of christ we we sometimes in our in our head think that that everybody's too far gone for god to save and they're not Matthew 11:19 it says, the Son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a winebibber, I love the New King James because they don't play around with the language. <laughs> a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus came for the sinner to redeem the sinner, to pursue the sinner. That's why God sent his Son Jesus Christ. And it's an important thing. Like As we are in this room, there are many that come in here that need Jesus. So why not allow the Word of God to permeate through these walls? Right? It's, it, at the end of the day, it's like we, we forget. We, we have this image of, of church and we have this image of church that has really skewed us in a way. And what I mean by that is that we look, we were just at a beautiful building with more than enough space. Right, More than enough space. They could house three churches there. <laughs> they have plenty of space. But the reality of it is that's not church. And what I mean by that is that's not Jesus' church. Jesus would have went outside. This is where we're doing church today. He would have stopped and just start, start teaching. He would have went to the tax collector's house and just started teaching. He shared with prostitutes. Right? At the end of the day, that's what Jesus was doing. See what we've done is we've modernized and created a church, and we created it. it's all about the buildings and all about the services, and that's not what what Jesus is about. And don't get me wrong, you know we're praying. Uh, at some point we will grow, but we can't lose this. You can't lose this. You can't forget this. All the trials, all the the shifting, all the man. Thank God the Apple TV worked this week. I was like man, praise God. You know it's the little things, and, and and it's a reminder that you know that we get to participate in this and and let me tell you i i would have never shown up to a church i went to a movie theater the first time i went to church that was where our church met i wouldn't have gone to a church billy we have to meet them where they're at and sometimes meeting in a public place is is the best sometimes Renovating because there's a beautiful church right across the street, empty. But I would rather have one of those empty buildings down the street that doesn't look like a church, because people would probably walk into it, especially those that need Jesus. We have to remember that. Like At the end of the day, Jesus was for sinners, and He came to pursue and redeem them. So we see in Him we have the redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And so now what we see is sin you know, is explained and, and there are no excuses. So the Bible clearly defines what sin is. And, and it clearly defines that we, the only way to have that sin forgiven is through the blood of Christ. And so a lot of times what we'll see is we'll hear people that will use excuses to say, well, I sell drugs because look at where I live. And so they, they'll use that as an excuse. Or, I was born this way. And and it's clearly defined what the Bible says about sin. And there's only one way to have that forgiveness of sins, and that is through Jesus Christ. And see, you know, we, we can't excuse our sin or our sin nature. It's there. But see, when when we come to know Christ, Christ makes you a new creation in Christ. And, and that sin nature is still there, but He provides you the Holy Spirit to help you overcome that. In Proverbs 29, verse 1, He says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. God comes to save those and forgive sin. But that comes back to Humility. To confess your sin requires humility. And any of us who have been broken and been in that place where we're just like, i got nowhere else to turn. I, I've been there. Where you're just like, I don't know what else to do. I need God. And that requires humility. Because you know what happens? You come to the end of yourself. You finally get to the end of yourself. How many years did it take you? It took me 39. Oh, it's hard-headed. I don't know what the word is, a tosca or whatever what's the word? Hard headed. What is the word? Somebody help me. I'm not even. There you go. What is what is I'm coming up with my own words now. I'm made my own language, man. I'm sorry. Everybody's like Mike Don't. That's why my Spanish teacher, Missy Barra, told me you don't need to be speaking Spanish. So but we need to remember what we need to do is—is is there are going to be people who harden their hearts and stiffen their necks? You move to the next person, and you keep praying for that person, and pray that God gets a hold of them. Because as we see with the prodigal, with the prodigal return, right? The prodigal return, and and but did 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 the father go chase the prodigal everywhere he went? No, he didn't. He didn't. He knew what he was doing when he walked out. He was raised that way. He knew. But what happens is we harden our neck. And so, you know, we we pray that people don't get to that place of brokenness or, or they have to be uh, pressed. But it happens. And you know, that's why it's important for us as we talk about about Christ that we do talk about the wrath of God. I mean, I, for whatever reason, I mean, we forget that... that that we're not beyond uh, beyond recovery, but we also have to remember that God is a just God. And eventually God's going to say, enough. And He's going to send His Son. Only God knows when that time is. But people thought in Sodom and Gomorrah, they had many days ahead of them. And God said, enough. That was enough. And He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Eventually the, the tribulation will come and the rapture will happen and It'll be enough. And we'll get to a point where there is no turning back. And you're either on, that's what we talked about, Cain being on the wide road and Abel being on the narrow path. It says, according to the riches of his grace. And, and I love that because it's the forgiveness of sins and it's, it's that remembrance that he casts that, that sin as far as from the east is to the west. That if you confess your sins, He forgives. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, you just have to get to that place of saying, You know what? I need to stop. That's what you have a conscience for. But you also have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. And the Holy Spirit's letting you know, Hey, you're going too far here. You're over there trying to, you, you know, you're, you're trying to gray the line out. Well, let me see how much grace here. Let me see how close I can get to that line before I sin. And that's not what we want to do. And he's saying, look, you you, you, you have the opportunity to, to confess your sins. You have the opportunity to know that grace abounds. That's why we use that song, grace like rain. It's every morning. Because grace abounds. You can even confess those sins deal with them. It's, it's understanding that when we confess them, we can walk in freedom. In Psalm 32 verses 3 through 5 it says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity. I have not hidden, I said. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Do you see the the parallel of the two differences? He's like my bones; they they were groaning. Like you know when you're not supposed to be doing something, your bones are groaning. You're you're in you're in the the hottest part of the drought of the summer, where it's 120. Uh, I'm gonna tell you if you've ever been in the desert in Iraq when it gets hot. And that sand pops up, and you get, you're getting it from all directions. It's hot. It gets up to 121, 122 degrees, and you're just like, you can't run from it. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, the summer, the hottest part of the summer, the drought that's there, you're parched, you're, you're, you're dry, you're, you're, the only thing that can, can save you is your confession of, of sin. He's like, it doesn't have to be this way. And that's what Paul is saying. It's like it doesn't need to be this way. Like you have Christ. It brings relief when we confess our sins. And I've always told you that there's, there is a blessing whenever you are obedient to God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace abounded much more. In verse 8 it says, Which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. And That's a, two unique words there. Wisdom is, is the understanding that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you understand what life and death and heaven and hell, you have that wisdom now because you're in Him. You've been given that wisdom. And, and at the same time, you're, you're given the wisdom of what forgiveness is. You're given the wisdom of what righteousness and holiness is. Tell, somebody tells me I can't forgive. I'm, I'm like, who are you serving? If you're in Christ, who are you serving? You're in Christ. He's given you the wisdom to overcome that, to deal with that. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. That's what you need to pray. Lord, I don't know how to forgive, but I need you to give me knowledge and understanding on how to do it. And God will. But let me tell you something. This is very important. When God gives you the knowledge and understanding of how to do it, of how to do it, then you need to actually step out in faith and forgive that person. And then the other thing is, is He give you wisdom and then he gives you it gives you prudence, which is actually spiritual insight. Spiritual insight, and 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 prudence is actually when you apply the wisdom and you practice it daily. So you you understand life and death, but I'm going to live practically according to what God has called me to do. God has called us all to be servants. God has called us all to share the gospel. God has called us all to make disciples. I love. I was talking with Dr. James Spivey. And, and he was telling me about the church, and he was like, one of the things I challenged the church when I was here, because he used to bat- He was the pastor of First Baptist before Dan, and he goes, I challenged him, I said, you know what, my job is, is to make disciples out of you, to feed you, to get you ready, and, and that's my job. And your job is to disciple somebody, and your job is also to serve. Now, I'm very adamant, and I told him, I said, I love that about serving, but I, I think sometimes what the church does is we focus primarily inside the church. Man, I, I, you can serve the community. You're like, yeah. You're going to, like, Ruben's a coach. He actually coaches, I think, two baseball teams his son and his daughters. He can reach more people than I can in Christ. He's that example. He's serving the community. We don't think of it that way. We've gotten to where, it, and this is what, you know, hopefully as we go see the movie, we're all encouraged to to step outside of our comfort zone. Because Greg Laurie, when I was listening to the sermon, uh, or listening to an interview that he did, Greg Laurie said that he originally was just doing, uh, was doing cartoons and sharing the gospel that way with the cartoons, and they ended up making a million of those tracks that got passed out. And... Um, and then from there, they asked him, "Well, why don't you go teach or go share?" And then he went out to Riverside because nobody wanted to go to Riverside uh, at the time. They didn't because they, they were all being pulled in different directions. And and I mean, I know why they, in the nineties. I know why they didn't go to Riverside <laughs> because I remember that the Riverside. I remember, we drove, we flew into the base, so and they were like, "Don't go outside the gates, and be careful not to get too close to the gates because sometimes the bullets come through the gates." <laughs> There's shooting and stuff that's happening. But the reality of it is, is like what Greg did was, he went out there and just started teaching. The Bible study. And it grew. And then it grew. And grew. And they didn't have any place else to put them. And so Chuck ended up writing a check for him. Apparently Chuck wrote a lot of checks. I was like, man. But yeah, but Chuck bought the building for him. And, not Chuck, the church. Okay, Calvary Chapel. Um, and so um, that's an investment and they paid it back but I want you to learn something out of that is Greg started off doing cartoons and he did them for tracks Greg started going out and evangelizing right but then he got pulled into teaching Greg was 21 years old when he became a pastor think about what you were doing at 21 I 21 he became a pastor He's been pastoring for over 50 years now. But he's also an evangelist. And so God can use you however you want to be used, but he gives you the wisdom and the prudence. And you have to take that step of faith to practically apply it. So if you're saying, hey, God wants me to do this for the community, that's what you do. You take the step of faith and you do it. You know, it's like we have Miss Elba. She serves at the Divine Food Pantry. That's what God had put on her heart to do. She has something else put on her heart called Tabitha's touch that she wants to do. And we're praying about that. We're asking for God to open up because we need not only a place for that to happen, we need a permanent place for that to happen. And so we're praying about that. And and so we have to step outside our comfort and, and do things that we are not... Normally to do I've never taught in my life and I'm sure some of you all are going. Yeah, I know But I've never taught in my life and and this is not what I do. I've never done this You know doing sound I'm comfortable with that was something I was comfortable doing and then God's like no That's not what I got you here for And and so we need to understand he gives you the wisdom. He gives you the prudence remember prudence is actually applying it the wisdom that he gives you so you, you, He's given it to you through the Holy Spirit, you know what you're supposed to do. But the hardest part is taking that first step.